Good evening. Welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We all believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 136. Episode 136, fast approaching 150. We're going to do a special celebration at episode 150. We're slow walking to a million downloads on all our audio platforms. We're probably well over a million downloads when you include all of the uh, views and, and whatnot, but we'll make it official when we cross a million downloads. So if you haven't already, go to freepeopleradio.com. There you can find out all the places you can watch or listen to the podcast, including Amazon, Google Play, Apple, Spotify. We've had success with not being censored too much on the audio platforms. Not the same can't be said for uh, the video platforms such as YouTube, but we're doing great number, numbers over on Rumble every night. We want to thank War Room and the entire War Room posse. We want to thank Grace Chong, Maureen Bannon, and the great Steve Bannon for allowing me to have a platform over on War Room's Rumble page and Getter page. If you're live in the War Room Rumble page chat or in the War Room Getter page chat, welcome this evening. We, uh, we're we happy to have you back again. Uh, if you're live in the YouTube chat, we appreciate you as well. Please continue to help us build the algorithm on YouTube. Hopefully we can finally crack that glass ceiling, which feels much more like a a uh, uh, steel ceiling, to be honest, with with YouTube and their algorithm. Um, everybody who sees the podcast, who who's uh, discovering the podcast, is saying the same thing. Wow, I don't know why I haven't heard of this this guy or this podcast before. It's good. The content's good. The sound is good. The production's good. I don't know why I haven't. I've never heard of this guy. Uh, so we 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 like that. Uh, we like the direction. We like the the potential and where we're going and. Um, I honestly think that that we're building a discussion here that that's not happening anywhere else, and I'm happy to be a part of that, and I'm happy that you're here for another episode. Today I want to talk about something that was on my mind over the weekend. I did a Twitter space uh, regarding it on Saturday evening. Uh, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend and, and you know, holiday travel, great holiday travel. And we're back into the swing of things. Here in Minnesota, we have caucuses coming up in February. I'm running for United States Senate against Amy Klobuchar. There's a lot of moving parts here in, in the city of Minnesota. I mean, in the city of Minneapolis, but the state of Minnesota as it pertains to politics, some of which we're going to talk about today, some of which we've already seen. I mean, Tom Emmer was put up as Speaker of the House. He eventually didn't get the, the nod for Speaker of the House, but he was in the mix, which he is the, the the majority House whip, shows you how much power Minnesota has, whether you think the 10 electoral votes are a necessity for the presidential election or not. Uh, there, there's certainly, certainly a lot of sway here in Minnesota politically. Uh, and we're going to talk more about that uh, over the course of this episode because it, it is vital, vital for people to understand how the global affects the local, but also how the national affects the local when it comes to our politics. Um Caucuses in February. You know, we got to storm the caucuses. And and don't worry, you know, here in the first couple of weeks of December, we're going to go full tilt with the with the campaign. And you're going to start to see a lot of uh, content, a lot of ads, a lot of 
material being emailed out for everybody who's still on the list from when I ran for United States Congress against Ilhan. So you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot more pertaining to my Senate campaign, along with the launch, the official launch of my Senate website, where you will be able to go and donate money to my Senate campaign. So stay tuned for that. The, the website will be RoyceWhite.us. If you go to RoyceWhite.us right now, we have left up my Congress campaign website because a lot of the platform isn't going to change. I, I don't see much difference between Ilhan Omar and Amy Klobuchar. If anything, Ilhan Omar is a version, a loud version of controlled opposition uh, way out there on the far left. And Amy Klobuchar is the the silent merchant of death straight down the middle of the, the aisle, um, the, the ultimate symbol of uniparty, right? So all that and more to come. Today I want to talk about something that is very, very relevant to Minnesota politically. Uh, and, and again, I talked about it on Saturday evening, and it is Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. Now, I don't want to keep harping on this. I really don't. But when you see a topic start to trend, which we saw over the weekend, in large part because there were reports that Derek Chauvin was uh, stabbed in federal prison. Um, so, you know, anytime something happens with Derek Chauvin or the case or there's a, you know, a appeal or George Floyd's family says something or whatever happens, it just kicks that dust up all over again. And it, it, it trends very easily on, on Twitter or on social media. Um, all of this happening seven days after the release of this Fall of Minneapolis documentary. And I want to talk about that documentary as well. And I want to talk about the people behind it. But first, I want to talk about Derek Ch uh, Ch Chauvin and, and this stabbing in the federal prison. But before I even get to that, I want to start with this. And that, that's, that's what's on deck. Um, I want to start with this, if I can. Um, this was a CNN poll from earlier on in, in the month, from early November, around November 10th. So not so early, but a couple weeks back now. Um, Trump now leading Joe Biden among men of color, a new CNN poll. Um, these numbers are staggering, to say the least. But it proves that Steve Bannon was right. It proves that when Steve Bannon said that the working class black and Hispanic men will save this republic, he was so he was so spot on. I don't even know if he knew how spot on he was. And I love Steve to death. Steve, if you're out there listening and watching, I don't even think you knew you were going to be this accurate. But we all are so happy that he, he was. Um, former President Donald Trump leads President Joe Biden by three points among men of color. Voters from a Tuesday CNN poll found a shocking revelation for Democrats who hope the president, the president can win re-election. 49% of men of color supported Trump. The poll found just 46% backed Biden. The polling among black men shows a stark contrast from the 2020 election results. Quote, unquote, we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, in 2020, uh, you had 44, 42% of black men who were eligible voters, 12% of eligible black men voted for Trump, 87% voted for or supported Joe Biden. Um, the contrast is also stark among 
male Hispanic voters in 2020. 58% of Hispanic men are eligible voters. 40% of eligible Hispanic men voted for Trump. 57% of Hispanic men voted for Joe Biden. Shocking, shocking, said Van Jones, a CNN commentator. The black male vote, that's a stunner. Black women have been in the lead, but black men haven't been that far behind. Black support for Joe Biden in general has plummeted by 25 points. Okay. I just want to start with that. And the reason why I'm starting with that is the black male vote. The black male vote is going to be key in swing states. We all know it. If you don't know it, if you don't believe it, then you're fooling yourself. That's just the reality. 11,000 ballots in, in Atlanta. 3,600 of them are now in question per the reports. A lot of reports that are going around, as Donald Trump said himself on, on True Social. 3,600 of the bats are now acknowledged as being fraudulent or in question or uh, in dispute. That's almost, that's, you know, 30%. That's almost 30% of the ballots of, of the difference between Joe Biden winning Georgia and, 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 and losing Georgia. I mean, 5,800 votes is nothing, guys, when we're talking about the future of a nation and the, and the, the presidency, the United States presidency. That, that's nothing. And we know where a lot of those votes, whether they were rigged, cheated, harvested, whatever you want to say, we know where the narrative is being built. The narrative is being built right there in the metropolitan area, right there in the greater Atlanta area, right there on the back of the black vote and the black identity. We know where the scam is being run. Now we have to be smart enough. We have to be, we have to be open-minded enough. We have to be humble enough to, to change our worldview on some things. And, and here we arrive at today's topic with Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. First, I want to say this, and I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it again. Um, for the people who say Derek Chauvin did absolutely nothing wrong, I'm not saying whether the charge was right. I'm not saying whether he was scapegoated for political reasons. For the people who are saying he did absolutely nothing wrong, sorry to say you're an idiot. For the people who are cheering that, that, that Derek Chauvin was stabbed in, pre, in, in federal prison, sorry to say you're an idiot. That's not being, me being milk toast or lukewarm or on the fence. That's me sticking a flag in the ground when I'm watching two adolescents fighting bicker back and forth about shit that makes no sense, about shit that has no real relevance to where we're trying to, the direction we're trying to build this movement and this country. Anybody who's cheering that Derek Chauvin was stabbed in prison is an idiot. Anybody who said he did nothing wrong at all is an idiot. One was a failure of policing. The other is a failure of the prison system. And both of them are coming to a theater near you. Both of them, both of them should concern you. Now, again, I'll tell people, and, and I've, I've, I've tried to emphasize this many times before, but there are a few basic things we have to, we have to get clear about in, in when we think about this situation. The question that everyone should ask themselves first is the scope of government and by way of the scope of policing. 
That should be a question on your mind. Like Dinesh D'Souza has pointed out recently, like the news headlines show us, the courts, the law, the police, and law enforcement more broadly, the FBI, the CIA, the entire intelligence community, the list goes on and on. All a broad branch of, of law enforcement in, in some respects, the security state, the military industrial complex, it's all one shithole. One cesspool, okay? Which, by the way, to start, and I'll revisit later on, the DOD failed its sixth audit in a row. Six times in a row, the DOD has failed an audit of themselves. And over half the inventory is missing. Now, I don't know what you think. I don't know what people think out there, but when they say half the inventory is missing, that means it came in the front door and it went out the back door at half cost, right? Somebody's skimming money, somebody's stealing money. And like I've said before, when your government steals, everybody fucking steals. When your government steals, everybody's fucking stealing. And and that's not conjecture, that's not just some turn of phrase. When your government is stealing at the highest level and the, the economy or, or the, the corporate community or, or the, the, the county and state municipalities that, that get federal funding all the way down start to have this impetus to skim or steal. That's just the reality. That's the, that's the culture and precedent that's set. That's why great leadership is necessary. That's why if you're going to have a bloated federal government, you better damn well have some great leaders, some people who are going to ensure that there isn't a culture of, of, of piracy uh, and robbery taking place from the top down because then you have no shot. You have no shot at regulating the culture from a moral and ethical place from the ground up, especially when you take all the morality out of your public school curriculums and you start to demonize, demonize Christianity and every other religious practice. You have no shot at having a moral society. But it starts with your government thinking it's okay to steal your fucking tax money, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I, I, I want to say, when, when, you see, when, you, when you see the Derek Child and George Floyd narrative playing out, it's easy to get caught up in the race, the race bait. It's easy to take the race bait. It's easy to understand that the left wanted to use George Floyd or Derek Chauvin as a scapegoat to make the entire 2020 election about racism or about race politics and, and take your, 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 your focus off of the pernicious expansion and growth of the federal government and the scope of their authority and the tyranny that lies therein. Easy to do. Easy to do. Don't take that bait. Don't take that bait as we walk through this podcast, as I walk through how to think about this as an American citizen. And I start with this. As the great St. Paul said in the Bible, as he was confronted by the centurion guard, am I a Roman citizen? Am I a Roman citizen? Do you, the centurion guard, have a right to bind or, or beat, bind and beat a Roman citizen who has not yet stood trial. And the, the sense of Roman citizenship was so profound in those days that the centurion guard actually stopped. He thought to himself, hey, 
I may feel like I have the backing of the establishment or the the backing of the current uh, you know political climate uh, to 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 roughhouse and accost these radical Christians, but mm, the the culture of Roman citizenship is so potent in my in my purview. Uh, I think I, I think I'll back off a little bit here. I may be overstepping my 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 bounds a bit. Um, and American citizens have lost all sense of that. And there's a reason why we've lost all sense of that. If there's a very specific and strategic reason that a, a brainwash and 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 a brainwash and uh, and and manipulative reason for us to have lost that sense of American citizenship. One, it's in the interest of globalism, but secondarily, it's in the interest of us trading our security, our freedom for security. And as our great founding father said, I saw that they just took a monument of Thomas Jefferson down there in Washington, D.C., and it just absolutely blows my mind how, how, how we've gotten to this point. But part of it is this Marxist, BLM, race-bait uh, sort of agenda, and I'm not dismissing it, but at the same time, uh, we in the conservative movement, more specifically, have done the same thing on the right. We've done the same thing. We've traded our freedom for the security of military, for the security of policing, for the security of a Department of Defense that steals your fucking money and tells you, oh, we just misplaced it. I don't, we don't know where it went. <laughs> then they charge you an inflated price for fucking bread because the economy's all out of whack. Or they play a shadow game with the stock market and the economy in general because who really knows if it's going up or down when you're printing phony money and you got globalist corporate elites who are doing all the appraisal of the, of the markets? Who knows which way the economy is going? It's like a it's like a you know a, a chaos theme park in, in there trying to figure out what's going to happen with the economy. But we do know one thing: a nation that is riddled with debt is a nation that is in deep deep trouble. A nation that has unconstrained debt is a nation that is in deep, deep trouble, just like the Roman Empire. And again, I say we've lost that sense of American citizenship. I digress. I'll get back to that in a moment. George Floyd. Derek Chauvin. Was George Floyd a good person? No, of course not. I mean, not by most standards, not by conventional wisdom. If we were going to say what makes a person a good citizen or what, what would make a person a bad citizen. We have a laundry list of things with George Floyd we could point to and say, hey, the guy had some problems. Of course, there's a lot of people out there with some problems. And they're going to start to manipulate the line and redefine the line of what problems really mean so that they could more, more effectively uh, designate a criminal status to you all. Oh, wait, that's already begun to happen. The FBI surveilling Donald Trump supporters. That's a Redef uh, a redefining of criminality or breaking the law or a danger to democracy, that's going to come to bear on you right about a year ago now. It's already happening. It's been happening. Okay, so careful when we let people, you know, define certain things. Now, was George, did George Floyd have a criminal history? Yeah, absolutely. But our American citizenship affords us the ability, the right, the God-given right to have a criminal history, serve our time, or fight our case, and not be considered a criminal in the next situation 
without being proven guilty. These are cornerstones of American citizenship. And I just watch these conservative fucking think tank psyops. And I just see how they're, they're slowly eroding what it means to be an American citizen. And that is what Donald Trump fought. That is why we're saying make America great again. It's that sense of American citizenship that we need to rekindle. And we need it right now. And I know this is a touchy situation. It's emotional. Oh, oh, BLM, the summer of love, the summer. But I was out there. I was out there on the front line telling the LGBTQ they weren't going to make George Floyd and the entire situation a, a, a theater, a stage play for their own political agenda. I was out there in the belly of the beast where I still am today, not fleeing to some red state. Because where am I fleeing to? Fucking South Carolina, where they, where they elect Lindsey Graham, Nikki Haley, and Tim Scott. Where am I fleeing to? Texas, home of the Bushes, one of the, one of the biggest rhino establishment states in the whole republic. I mean, let's get serious about what we're really dealing with in this political climate here. I'm in the belly of the beast in my own home fighting against these people, and yet we can't have a simple conversation about the appropriate, uh, the appropriate amount of, of, of force and when it comes to policing. We just can't have it. We, we just can't be fucking grownups about it. So I'm going to try here. If you're getting, if you're going to apprehend a person, if you're going to apprehend a person, um, that person's pre-existing medical condition is your responsibility. It's just the reality. This is this is a fact. There's plenty of of legal precedents to support that fact. Now, when George Floyd put the put something in his mouth, look, could have been drugs, or he ingested drugs, or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, he had fentanyl in his system. He had COVID-19 supposedly in his system. Now, we don't know if he really had COVID-19 because we, we still have huge questions about how people diagnosed COVID-19 during the entire pandemic, especially post-mortem after someone has died. We don't know if he had COVID-19 or not, but though there were reports that he had signs of, of having uh, COVID-19. So he already had a compromised respiratory system. That's... That's a fact. Being on fentanyl is certainly going to compromise your respiratory system. That's a fact. And all of those things are still the responsibility of an officer who's apprehending a citizen. The same way it would be our responsibility or we would be held responsible as citizens. If it was citizen and citizen or if it was citizen and cop or, or whatever the case may be, we would be held responsible if, you know, for, for a person's health in an altercation. I'll give you an example. And I said this on my Twitter space, I'll give the exact same example. If I'm in the elevator with an old man, and me and the old man get into an altercation for whatever reason, maybe he has a, a, a you know, a dementia attack, and, and he thinks that, you know, that I'm some, you know, German soldier from World War II, he fought in World War II, he has a cane, he takes the cane, and he smacks me over the head with it, and out of reflex, uh, you know, he smacks me in the back of the head with his, with his walking cane, and out of reflex, I turn around and belt him across the mouth, and, you know, he falls down, has a heart attack, dies. I will be held accountable for that man's pre-existing health condition. Let's say he had a bad heart. Let's say he had a pacemaker. Let's say he was, um, 
you know, had had any number of a respiratory illness or, or, or uh, you know, cardiovascular disease or respiratory disease or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Let's say he had a blood clot in his, in his you know, in his, uh, in his deep vein. And because I slapped him, it dislodged the blood clot and the, you know, sudden cardiac arrest. These things happen. These things happen. The point to make is my being held responsible will be to the discretion of the prosecuting district attorney. And now the, the, the medical information, the forensic information that will come to bear in the, in the case, you know, maybe, they, maybe the coroner finds the real reason why he ended up dying. But the point is, and the question that will be asked, and the, the question that the prosecutor will certainly try to, to um, frame is, did my actions on that day contribute to the final result of that altercation and him dying? That will be a question that comes to bear in that legal process. We all know it. We all know it. And there's a, there's a bent, there's a tilt of the legal system in general that kind of plays this WWE game with the law, which we're seeing play out right now at the highest level with Donald Trump and the lawfare there. But that is a byproduct of a slowing, a, a slow, a, a creeping normalcy where we accept that the legal system plays these fucking games all the time. And they really do. And nobody knows it better than the, than the black community. And this is part of the rebound of the boomerang that you saw with Derek Chauvin and this entire George Floyd situation being weaponized for a greater political agenda. It has always been the case that people turn a blind eye when district attorneys and prosecutors play fast and loose or, polit or political with the legal system to prosecute people in this country. Black men especially have, have, have encountered and, and, you know, experienced that. Nobody even would argue that, I don't think. Not anybody with any good sense. Maybe if you watch the Fox News fear porn outrage machine, maybe you, you, you see it differently. But I can tell you from experience, these prosecutors, these same prosecutors that went to the same fucking Marxist, liberal, communist universities to teach them the fucking ethics of law, that are now using it against the fucking president of the United States. These people have been there the whole fucking time. They didn't just fucking pop up. These people didn't miraculously pop up. That's another scam that they're running. Oh, the this Marxist takeover is post-2016. Are you people losing your fucking minds? This Marxist, communist, liberal, uniparty, neocon, neoliberal order has been on the move for 30, 40 years. You're just now getting full frontal. That's, that's the only difference here. They're just more bold than they've ever been. This, this is half of the, the universities don't go Marxist or liberal overnight. They don't go liberal or Marxist over a four-year period. They go liberal or Marxist over three, four generations. We know the communist, uh, you know, we know the communist strategy. They have a three to four gener generation strategy. And that's what they did. So this isn't new. And this sort, of, this sort of corruption in our legal system isn't new. And the manipulation of, the, of those prosecutors and, and the way that they prosecute cases isn't new. And black people know it. And white liberals know that black people know it because there's white liberals who had been in the fucking legal system doing it to them. 
They just never made the connection, black folks. Now they're starting to make that connection because Donald Trump has served as a symbol that these people aren't really who they say they are. And so your black men who have been a victim of that corrupt legal system, the same one going after Donald Trump, now they're saying at 49% exodus, mass exodus. We're leaving the plantation. We see the scam. We understand what's been done. Even if we don't know exactly who did it, we have enough familiarity with the general political climate that we can feel the, the general area that we need to be in. Well, I'm here to get a little bit more sharp with the details. Amy fucking Klobuchar was the district attorney multiple times. She was, she was in a position of power multiple times to prosecute, bring prosecution against Derek Chauvin for misconduct on the job. Multiple times. And she didn't do it. The white liberal woman pacified the growth of the police state probably against black citizens, and then she's going to go and get black citizens' fucking vote to run for, to be a United States senator. You see how the uniparty really works here? I hope, you're, I hope you're understanding. I hope you're not triggered, so triggered by Derek Chauvin that you can't see the, the, the truth and what's being done and, what, and, and the progress we're really making here. That was a rant. I hope, you, I hope you understood. I hope you can follow. My point is we'll get back to... If I knock an old man down in the elevator in an altercation and that old man had some combination of pre-existing medical conditions that, that, that ultimately re resulted in his death, I would be held responsible depending upon who the prosecuting uh, attorney was or the, the general culture in that, that uh, prosecutor in, in the district attorney's office. That's a reality that we face all across this country. It's at their discretion. You get the right DA, you get a DA who's paid off by certain people, hey, maybe we look the other way, we hit you with a slap on the wrist, maybe you do some probation, it was an accidental, uh, you know, manslaughter, uh, accidental uh, death, or wrongful death or something like that. We don't know. At the discretion of the prosecutor. The point being is, George Floyd, in the combination of circumstance with his overall health, Derek Chauvin is responsible for police are responsible for. If George Floyd had died in the back of the cruiser, we're having a completely different conversation today. If George Floyd had been brought out of the cruiser, handcuffed, restrained, and then placed upward, sitting upward against the car, against the, the, wheel, uh, the wheel base of the cruiser, we'd be having a completely different conversation today. We'd be having a completely different conversation today. If they had stood George Floyd up and, and pushed him over the hood and restrained him over the hood, and the other four officers that were there helped to restrain him or hold him over the hood, we'd be having a completely different conversation today. But that's not what happened. And so the question that is asked is, did anything Derek Chauvin do contribute to the fatal the fatal outcome of that, that altercation that day. And I don't know how, with good reason, anybody could make the claim from a physiological standpoint that it didn't. I mean, you must be starting from a place where you don't understand the way the body functions and the way that physical altercation or stress or the, the raising of blood pressure or the compromisation of the respiratory system can lead to a, 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 a sort of a cascade 
of of uh, of, of system failure or, or bodily function failures, vital vital organ vital system failures. That's the only thing I can I can get from it. Number one. Anytime you're being restrained by the police, anytime you're in an, an, an altercation of that sort with the police, you're going to have a rise in blood pressure. You're going to have a spike in blood pressure. The spike in blood pressure is often going to change your respiratory function in some, in some capacity. This is basic, uh, uh, you know, basic anatomical science for, for most people. This is the fucking shit they should be teaching you in the fucking schools, but instead they've taken the anatomy class and taught young black men to cut their fucking penises off, okay? Basic anatomy function. Anytime you have a raise in blood pressure, you, you run the chance of, of, of uh, experiencing a change in your respiratory function. So the, the, the situation was already high stress. For, for everybody involved, the, the officers as well. Um, now, at the point where George Floyd says, hey, I can't breathe, take me out of the cruiser. Derek Chauvin could have said, I'm not taking you out of the fucking cruiser. Nope, sorry, <laughs> not doing it. I, I, I know of you. I've heard of you doing this before where you say you can't breathe, and I don't believe you. If he had done that, we'd be having a totally different conversation today. He would have died in the back of the cruiser. And we would have found out that he died from a number of a combination of, of pre-existing medical conditions, one of which is him being uh, on drugs or having drugs in his system. And there was no physical force that could be that could be um, that could be calculated in that equation of how he died that day. Simple. But that's not what happened, unfortunately. Unfortunately, George Floyd said, I can't breathe. He was pulled out of the cruiser. He was faced, he was placed face down on his chest with the knee in his back and his shoulders uh, across his neck. Whatever you want to say, I don't really give a fuck. I mean, it's, it's pertinent information. I'm not saying it's nothing. But either way, it doesn't change the, 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 it doesn't change the, the anatomy of what took place that day and the danger of the position. And for all of those people out there, and I saw the I saw the comments, I saw it trending, and it's horrifying the 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 the, the conventional wisdom about this in the conservative movement. I saw it. Derek Chauvin did nothing; he was innocent. I mean, it just goes to show you a lot of you people are willing to allow the police, in the name of the rule of law or law and order, to just fucking manhandle you. That's what we're talking about here. After 2001, did the IDF start to train a lot? Of, did, did the IDF lend a lot of training uh, 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 basis for our police in what is known as counterterrorism? Are you okay with your police starting from a place in training where you are the terrorist? And they told you then that they needed to do it because terrorism was on the rise from radical Islam and, and 9-11. And the scary part is, Terrorism was on the rise, but that didn't mean you all were terrorists the same way they used the Patriot Act to surveil you in your home and tell you they were doing that to thwart terrorism. And did they thwart terrorism? The Patriot Act's been in effect, and, and did, did the Patriot Act here in, in the United States or anywhere in the world where the Five Eyes work together in this intelligence collaborative to thwart terrorism, did it, did it help Israel? 
Did it help Israel? Is it going to help Israel now fight fighting down in those tunnels in Palestine? I don't know. You tell me. You tell me since you're so fucking smart. Did the Patriot Act help you or hurt you? Did the IDF training our police in our country in counterterrorism, does it help you or does it hurt you? You tell me. Back to the subject at hand. The point is, there's a consensus that the police manual is ironclad in the first place. I don't agree with that. I just don't agree with that. I don't think they train these cops well enough. I don't think they pay these cops well enough. I don't think they have a good enough mental health uh, uh, culture in place in police departments to be able to allow cops who in, endure and encounter trauma to not have to go back out on the job and patrol without time to, to, to you know, get their mind together. The corporate community here in America that has become decrepit, morally decayed, ethically unstable, has charged the police with the duty of dealing with all of the outgrowth of that immoral culture. So, of course, shit's going to go haywire. Of course, the cops are going to be more alcohol, uh, you know, more riddled with alcoholism than ever before. Of course, the cops are going to use excessive force when they don't need to. Of course, they're going to be high strung. Of course, we're going to the cops are going to become the scapegoat of a much more pervasive culture here in America. Of course. And this is an example. This is an example. You place a man face down, you handcuff him, his hands are behind his back. He's saying he can't breathe. Let's say for the first couple of minutes, you don't believe him. Ah, fuck off. You're saying you can't breathe. I don't believe that. You're just saying it. At some point in there, it obviously transitioned from him saying he couldn't breathe and it being uh, an, an, an affect of his own you know, mind, in their opinion probably, or, or whatever you think if you're watching the video. At some point, it, it quite literally transitioned to him not being able to breathe. The question is, where is that point? Well, let me tell you, if I'm a police officer, where that point would be. When you start to smell piss, when a grown fucking man pisses himself, and the piss is so full, his pants are so full of piss, the piss is running down the, the, the street, you start to ask yourself, is he just saying he can't breathe or maybe he really can? When a man goes unresponsive and you can see his face change from having color to not having color, you ask yourself, maybe he actually can't breathe. And in those moments, whenever that moment was, when the decision was made not to readjust his position or check to see if he was actually still breathing or if he had a faint pulse, now people are, are, are crossing into the realm of culpability for negligence. This is how the legal system is supposed to fucking work. But they get you so caught up in race politics, one way or another, they can crash you into each other, and you never even have a reasonable conversation about what the fuck took place. Because it's politicized. There's the politics. There's what George Floyd was used to do, which I fought. And I didn't see many fucking conservatives out there. I just got to say. I saw black men. I saw black men stand up and get casted out and get and get shouted down and get and get um, uh, berated. I saw black men get berated for standing up against the LGBTQ for trying to hijack George Floyd and the death of black men to their own political uh, uh, agenda. I saw that happen. But I didn't see many conservatives out there. 
I didn't see many Republicans out there with their Bibles, with their crosses, with their American flags. I didn't see it. Where were you? Where, I'm just being honest. I'm just asking. Where were you? Why are you so afraid of these people? Why have you allowed the Fox News outrage porn to make you fear the same people who are now going to vote for the president that your neocon, neoliberal elites want to throw in the fucking prison and maybe stab him the same way that Derek Chauvin got stabbed? Why have you allowed yourself to be bullied into this corner where your prejudgments and your, your, your preconceptions of culture or race or whatever the case may be, uh, you know, whatever it is, whatever, location, you know, geog, whatever it is, all these prejudgments have pushed you into a corner where your political activism is majoritarily a thing that happens on the Internet. How have we let this happen? How the fuck have we allowed this to happen? How has a Protestant, Catholic, Christian nation allowed Satanists to take over? How the fuck did that happen? When a man starts to piss himself or he's no longer responsive, you change his position. You check and see, you check his pulse. You check his pulse and you go, hey, let me, is his pulse faint? You don't sit there and stare in the fucking camera with a, a hundred yard death stare. Like I'm, I'm, I'm playing out a role in a, in a, in a play. I'm going to do it anyway. Now, whether George, now whether Derek Chauvin knew what he was going to do or, or this whole thing was set up or, or whatever the, whatever conspiracy theories are out there. I don't know. There's conspiracy. So maybe there is some truth to some of it. I don't know. Doesn't matter to me. The net result is the same. I know I see police all the time deal with citizens, whether they're white, black, or fucking green, in a similar way. Tay's an old man. He, you know, he ends up dying because his heart, his health is already compromised. Hell yeah, we're going to bring that cop up on charges. Absolutely. You see a 75-year-old man. If the man looks old, we know the general knowledge in American society is you got to be a little bit more delicate when you deal with older people. Don't be going around, you know, trigger-happy, tasing old people unless it's absolutely necessary. And the question that came to bear in the George Floyd situation is, or was that level of force absolutely necessary? And the obvious fucking answer, if you're not a pussy, is it wasn't necessary. If you're a pussy and you live in fear all the time of physical altercation or you've never been in physical altercation or you're fat and you can't, you know, you're not very physically fit. Then maybe it is, you know, maybe it is so scary, you know, oh, they needed to do that, you know, but but these are the same people that are going to trade their freedom for security. Me as a six foot eight grown man. A six foot eight grown man, and, and you don't have to be six foot eight, two seventy. But if I had been there on the scene that day as a police officer, uh, I would have been able to hold George Floyd down without using that type of restraint, especially with three or other officers. If four officers can't restrain one man without taking it to that level, without taking it there, we got a problem. We got a problem, but we have a crisis of policing, a failure of policing. And all of you say, the, how is it a failure of policing? 
Do you know how little police have to train on an annual basis to maintain their license to be a police officer? Do, do you, are you aware of that? Are you aware that hairdressers, that, that estheticians have to have more annual training than your average fucking cop? Isn't that a sign of a feminine fucking society where your average hairdresser, your average hairdresser, your average esthetician, your average beauty professional has to have more annual training time than your average cop? Are you okay with that? <laughs> Am I an American citizen or what? I'm just giving you the truth. You may not like it, but this is as true as it gets. I guarantee you that. You can go check every single fucking word of it. I'm not going to hide in the, in the crevices or in the, in the blind spots. I'm coming straight down the middle. Either you like it or not. Either way, we all get to decide how the country burns now. Either we can save it, we can cut the shit, and we can save the country, or we can watch it burn in our little, in our little individual preference or uh, 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 our little individual pipe dream of how it goes down. If four officers can't restrain a man who's all but already lost consciousness without kneeling on him, we got a problem. And here's another physical, uh, 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 from a physical standpoint. Look, if you obstruct the natural rise and fall of the diaphragm, if you don't allow the lungs to inflate properly, uh, you can have a failure of your respiratory and, and, and uh, cardiovascular function. That's just a fact. Now, whatever pre-existing medical conditions you have will contribute to how far you can push that limit. That's why when they check your heart function, they give you a stress test, right? They, 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 they put you on a treadmill and they see how, how high they can get your heart rate and your blood pressure before you start to lose uh, uh, you know, a, a, a sustainable or healthy heart and, and lung function. This is George Floyd was put through a stress test out there on the street, out there on the pavement, and he failed it. Or at least that's what it looked like. At least that's what the visual evidence suggested. Were there other contributing factors? Absolutely. Absolutely. But if a man is overdosing, if I show up to a scene and a man's mouth is bubbling with, with white foam because he just did some bad coke and he's having a seizure or, or whatever the case may be, I'm not kneeling down on his back. I'm flipping him over and I'm, I'm, I'm administering first aid. I'm administering emergency aid. I'm giving him fucking mouth to mouth. I'm checking his pulse. I'm giving him medical aid. That's what I'm doing. I'm not sitting on his fucking back, staring in a fucking cell phone that's filming on the sidewalk. Hello, or what, what, are we, what are we even fucking talking about here? What are we talking about here? And I'll tell you what we're talking about. We're talking about what Fox News wants you to talk about. We're, telling, we're talking about what Alpha News wants to talk about. The fall of Minneapolis. And oh my goodness, I can just see how the propaganda works. Oh, this is, an, this is almost a nightmare. Okay, uh, this is like a nightmare on Elm Street. Living in the belly of the beast. Living in the West Metro of the, the Twin Cities. The Hopkins, Wyzetta, uh, uh, St. Louis Park, 
Minnetonka area, where all these Alpha News CD3, Congressional District 3 under Dean Phillips, where these people come from and do their work, the richest, most globalist fucking congressional district, maybe in all of the United States of America, who run as many fucking neocons and rhinos into the party and into the elections as they possibly can fucking muster. Okay, this is uniparty neocon rhino central. This is like a nightmare on Elm Street to watch a documentary produced that can say some things that are interesting and true, that can bring some information that is, that's interesting and true, but is it the truth motivated by righteousness? And the answer, unequivocally, is absolutely fucking not. Absolutely not. Alpha News, their whole deal, their whole deal is to tell middle to older age white Americans, you need more police to, to protect you from the criminal element of black people and brown people or whoever else in the country. Now we'll sprinkle a little Antifa in there because oh, I'm seeing all kinds of ring camera updates. On I got a ring system. I'm seeing all kinds of ring camera updates where young white men are breaking into homes in the suburbs masked, put with masks on. I mean, they got masks, you know, halfway on or whatever the case may be. Uh, but, yeah, young white men are breaking in homes too now. I mean, so, you know, I'm seeing it in the on the Internet. Snatching grabs. Now young white men who are Antifa, they think that that the fight against white supremacy is this, you know, this this sort of, uh, I don't know, twisted Robin Hood mentality of, of, you know, your average Macy's or Bloomingdale's. I don't fucking know what these people are doing. It's it's disgusting and despicable. It shows a lack of, of philosophical currency when when your expression of rebellion against a corrupt system is I'm going to snatch and grab every I'm going to be just as d decrepit as they are. You know, the whole Robin Hood, the whole Robin Hood uh, motif is is a radical material materialist motif. And then they blaspheme against the Lord. They you know take the Lord's name in vain by having a friar be one of his right hand guys. I mean, this is how deep the, the, the brainwashing goes. This is how old the Marxist agenda really is. OK, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I digress. Alpha News, their whole. Their whole pitch is to geriatric, middle-aged, white suburban voters, white suburban donors, white suburban audience members to tell you to get you want more police to protect you from crime. My pitch to you is get a fucking gun, get some ammunition, learn to use it, get a safety plan for your family and your home. And you kill anybody who who you kill anybody who poses a threat for immediate bodily harm, immediate significant bodily harm. That's my pitch to you. One pitch is a neocon fucking pitch. The other pitch is Pax Americana. And you better start to learn the fucking difference. You better start to understand the fucking difference between neoconism, rhino conservatism, and Pax Americana. The MAGA movement is a Pax Americana movement. We're not calling and waiting for the fucking police to show up as our first line of defense. Yeah, we'll call the police. We'll live under the rule of law. But the first thing I'm going to do is load up my own firearm that I'm constitutionally, uh, well, I'm constitutionally given the right to carry or to, to have 
in protection of my freedom. That's the first line of defense. And then if you're cops who are underfunded or, or slacking on the job or having a bad day or caught up with some debauched fucking spill out of behavior somewhere else in the city, then we'll let them get around to it when they can. Who knows when it'll be? Sometimes you call Uber Eats, the Uber Eats will show up quicker than your fucking cops will show up. And I'm not knocking the cops. I already said that the entire industry of policing is way overstressed. Way overstressed. It's it needs to be overhauled with funding. Maybe half the fucking money they're losing in the DOD could go to making sure that our cops, our local cops, are paid properly so they don't feel pressured into taking a fucking vaccine at an 85% clip or they won't have any job. Maybe that is, is something that, maybe that's a proper use of our resources. Maybe you don't like when I say the word fuck, you know. When I say the word fuck, it makes you feel a little, but you're okay with the cops manhandling you out in the street. You're a coward. That's what it is. And that's how we've lost this country. And I don't, you, you can spell it, you can spin it a million different ways. The problem with this country is American citizens have been brainwashed into cowardice. We've been enculturated and indoctrinated with cowardice. There's a difference between the neocon pitch of the Fox News fear porn machine and Pax Americana, Make America Great Again. And the polls are showing that young black men understand the difference and your alpha news of the world, your Fox News of the world, are doing exactly what you would expect the controlled opposition to do. They are, they are trying to make sure that Donald Trump cannot ever see a sea change in the black male vote. Why? because they love when the Democrats win. If it's in juxtaposition to a real candidate that could change the status quo, they'll back a Democrat. They already showed you, didn't they? You don't remember Republicans against Donald Trump? Who do you think these people, do you realize who these alpha news people are? The Freedom Club? The Freedom Club here in Minnesota? The, billion, the, the, the Billionaire Boys Club. The good old Rhino Billionaire Boys Club, never Trumpers. Eric Paulson. Eric Paulson was the Congressional District uh, uh, House Representative of, of, of three. He was the House Representative of Congressional District three before Dean Phillips. And he was adamantly anti-Donald Trump. And instead of Congressional District three, rallying around Donald Trump once he won, but after he won, they hung on because Paulson was their guy. And who's backing Paulson? I mean, do you people understand? How is it? How is it that the Minnesota, the Minnesota Democratic and Farmer Labor's Party has become so pro-globalist? What about globalism? What about globalism secures the the secures um the industry of farming and agriculture minnesota is an ag export state and a lot of these agricultural and and food manufacturing giants are globalists the cargills for example running the state biggest private company Biggest private company in the world, 
in America for sure, but maybe in the world. I think they're the second, they're the second biggest privately owned company in the world. They're balls deep in China money. They're balls deep with the CCP. They're so balls deep in China in 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 in, in Yuan. We where we could film the money shot, okay? This is the reality. This is the reality. And some people will say, oh, oh, you can't run for United States Senate in Minnesota and go against the Cargills. I don't give a fuck about the Cargills or any of these other yuppie, omnisexual, billionaire boys jerk-offs. I don't care. That's what makes it significant for me to run. That's what makes it significant for the black community to jump off of the Democrat plantation. We're bringing an entirely new brand of politics to this America First movement. I don't care about the Cargills. Never did any business with them. Never want to do any business with them, to be quite honest. They've built a pretty incredible company. Good for them. Who are your allegiances to? And if they, and if they would like to, if they would like to get back on board with a genuine America First foreign and domestic policy, then I would be happy, happy to work with them. I'm not saying all these people are in the final destination. But I'm saying right now the line is pretty clear. The Cargills, you know, a bunch of other people, right, who are, who are floating money around, playing on both sides of the aisle. Some of the people who fund Ilhan Omar are funding, you know, money's coming from the same spot. Follow the money. Follow the money. We've said it before. We can say it until the cows come home. But you have to make a decision to believe it. Alpha News can make a documentary all they want to. The people there at Alpha News are all being backed and supported, are being underwritten by a never-Trump cadre here in Minneapolis, here in Minnesota. They're, never, they're a never-Trump cadre. That's, what, that's who they are. They can say what they want. Tom Emmer can say what he wants. When push comes to shove, when it's his ass on the line, if he, if he thought that he would lose his position with, when it comes to his constituency to be voted into CD6, he may say that he supports Donald Trump. He may. But if he doesn't have to, and if the, the, the winds from the establishment are at his back to throw Donald Trump under the bus, he would do it in a heartbeat. He's shown it. He's shown it before. Just look at how he votes on the CR spending bill. The spending bill is still the telltale sign. That's why when the George Floyd protest broke out, I went into the belly of the beast and took 15,000 protesters. They vote Republican, Democrat, never voted in their life, felons, uh, law-abiding citizens, didn't matter to me. I'm bringing you all to the Federal Reserve. If you want to have a conversation about politics, follow the money. Follow the money. And that's what we did. We followed the money. That was my entire involvement in the George Floyd protest, not to mention that my good friend and, and co-worker, Stephen Jackson, who was related to George Floyd, uh, was here in town because he was upset with what happened to his family member, which he is right to be. And I was there to support him because I'm a friend. And to be honest, when I watched the video, I didn't like how the fucking cop handled George Floyd myself. And I don't care what he did. Not to be conflated with every other case where cops are involved with black people or black men. 
All these, all these cases should not be conflated together. Black man's coming down the street with a knife in his hand. The, the cop tells him to drop the knife. He tries to taser him. The guy starts to run towards the cop. He pulls his gun and opens up fire. Totally different fucking story. And everybody who, that's where the Marxists are, are, are doing a swing around on you. They're conflating all these stories together. And we're letting them define our perspective about the relationship between citizens and cops by clumping them all together. And then the Fox News plays the opposite. Well, if you're going to clump them all together, let's talk about the statistics all together. No, let's pull each and every individual situation out as its own, as its own, uh, uh, as its own situation. George Floyd was unarmed. George Floyd was already subdued. George Floyd had his hands behind his back, not even in front. You know how hard it would be to pull a, 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 an officer's service weapon with your hands behind your back? You'd have to be, you'd have to be a fucking Houdini to do it, okay? He's on the ground, nearly incapacitated, pissing his own pants, um, hands behind his back, and unarmed. Completely different situation than the, than the common narrative. And, and we just got lost in it. We just got, and we're continuing to be lost in it. And they're going to run the same story over and over. I can't tell you how many people are sending me this documentary from this group, this, this news group. They don't even realize they're never Trumpers. Part of the reason is because some of the motherfuckers that are voting Republican here in Minnesota are never Trumpers when push comes to shove. Let's just be honest. I mean, let's just get down to the truth. You got black men who are coming in to vote for Trump, and you got white conservatives who are running from Donald Trump because he can't win. He, he's not electable. They're going to throw him in jail. His, his, his finances are going to be tied up with all these legal mess. Shut the fuck up. Go fuck yourself. You're scared. You're scared to change the status quo. Most of you because the status quo is working for you. That's what it is. You can't fool me. You can fool some of these other polite, polished, puppet politicians. You can't fucking fool me, and you can't fool the, the generation of America First voters that are coming. And guess what? We don't need your fucking permission. We don't need your fucking permission to be an America First movement. Sorry. Sorry to say it. Who, who, show me who the vanguard is. Steve is, is my mentor. Steve is my good friend and comrade. And even Steve wouldn't be able to kick me out of the fucking movement at this point because what I choose to do with my own individual time is to fight for the truth and the righteousness for what is, what is American, what is good for the American citizen. Now, Steve would never try and kick me out of the, the movement or, 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 or any of that because he's got sacred honor, first and foremost. And, but secondly, he's committed to the truth. Which is why when the George Floyd thing first broke out, I remember when I was listening to War Room Pandemic at the time, and Steve goes, look at the circumstance of his life. We got a fentanyl crisis. Fentanyl's pouring in over the border, and it could be, it's killing people who are black, white, brown, yellow. It doesn't matter. The same people who want to leave our border open to the fentanyl crisis are the same people that want to commission police officers to have to deal with people who are high on fentanyl and whatever else like trank or crack or cocaine or, or meth or, 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 or microdose and LSD or whatever it is. And they're the same people who are going to benefit when a cop has an, an unfortunate altercation with a citizen, particularly of black skin 
particularly a black man, and they're going to cash in on the political capital. It's a racket, my friends. It's a racket. And if anybody steps up as a genuine populist candidate like Donald J. Trump, or if anybody tries to crack the mold on the conventional Democrat, uh, the, the, the conventional demographics of our political landscape, like Stephen K. Bannon, these neocon rhinos will fight tooth and nail to undermine the fucking progress that he makes. And that's why I'm taking the shit so personal. That's why I'm taking an entire episode on Monday to rehatch an issue that I thought was, was, was well behind us in terms of its, its cultural potency. This is an affront to the work that Steve Bannon has done. It offends me. This is an affront to the, 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 the leadership that Donald Trump has shown. It offends me. This is the establishment. This is the uniparty doing their best to try and divide so they can continue to conquer. And if they can get you caught up in race, if they can get you caught up in the race bickering back and forth and and then Derek Chauvin is the is the white symbol of of injustice or or George Floyd is the black symbol of injustice and let's watch all the black folks and the white folks have their little culture war. They can steal your fucking money hand over fist. DOD sixth failed audit in a row, half the inventory missing. Money goes in the front, out the back, half cost, skimming off the top, sticking it in their coffers. We've seen this play before. How many of you out there who have an opinion about George Floyd voted for George Bush? (laughs) Be honest. Be fucking honest. How many of you who have an opinion about George Floyd voted for George Bush? Go look in the fucking mirror. Oh, the two things are unrelated? Really? You think so? The two things are, are two different issues, huh? And, and, and how long do you think that line of logic is going to hold up? How far do you think we can get saving this republic where we fail to tie the global to the local and vice versa? How far do you think we're going to go? How far do you think we can support and back Donald Trump when we're not really, really, really willing to surrender all our formerly held prejudgments and preconceptions in the interest of the nation? We know who the enemy is. The question is, do we like what they're pitching or not? And part of us likes what they're pitching. Part of us likes the status quo. Part of us likes the way things are. It works for us. You know, I see you Donald Trump fucking supporters out there driving around in your fucking Teslas. Give me a fucking break. You want to go to electric vehicles? I love when Maj Torre said on, on, on Friday, uh, last Friday, the water levels at Ellis Island are the exact same when the immigrants came through. <laughs> They've been telling you that there was going to be a climate catastrophe for 70 years. They already said in the in, in the 1980s and 90s there was supposed to be a catastrophe. Then it was 2012. Oh my goodness. In 2012, we're gonna, the Mayans predicted, they even used science fiction to try and tell you how this, this climate change thing is is the is the be-all end-all. The great Cash Patel told you. 
the entire Biden administration's focus, the way they pointed the apparatus of the intelligence community and, and the rest of the Department of Defense. Uh, it, climate change is the great existential threat. Not fentanyl. Not the general trust in government. Not the presence of lawfare or, or uh, you know, the uh, crony capitalism or, or uh, monopolization or, or the corporate lobbying in the political process or, or misinformation. And polit- oh, all of those things are a problem, but only for the Donald Trump supporters. Hey, if Facebook wants to donate, to, if, if Mark Zuckerberg wants to put $250 million fucking dollars of his own personal money into the election cycle, that's not election tampering. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're going to go into Royce White's FEC reports and say when he buys T-shirts with campaign funds to make materials for the Royce White for Congress campaign, that's a violation of, 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 uh, of, of campaign finance law. Are you people seeing what's going on here? Just, you know, just tell me. Just drop it in the comments. Just drop it in the comments. Are you seeing what's taking place here? We're getting played. We're getting played. It's so interesting to see that the the black vote is on the rise the way it is. And I just know there are a lot of Republicans who are running from Donald Trump. I mean, just think about that. And and, and you see, uh, I saw a lot of uh, comments because I said, this is this is all this Alpha News documentary is is really meant to do, whether knowingly or unknowingly, because there are people who made the documentary who may not even know what the intended use is. There are people who back it or who supported it or who help make help make it happen, who may have way bigger political uh, schemes than than the people who did the documentary realize. Maybe not. Maybe they're all in on it together. I don't know, but I can tell you exactly what it's meant to do. This is meant to undermine the rise of the black vote for Donald Trump. This is meant to make a cultural wedge issue that is hyper-emotional, that is, hi- is emotionally charged for the, the key demographic, mind you. I mean, this isn't just, th- th- this George Floyd thing isn't just, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> isn't completely irrelevant. This is the key demographic. This is black men. Now the, the, the neocon outrage machine who hates Donald Trump in private is going to tell you that George Floyd uh, was, was a thug and a drug addict and he deserved what he got. And Derek Chauvin is a, is, is a hero and is a symbol of injustice. Really? And you're going to let them, you're going to, uh, fine, hey, okay. We all get to decide how the country burns now. The same way I don't think the black community should ride the 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 uh should um you know should ride the 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 flag of George Floyd into the next chapter of of American citizenship and freedom. The same way I don't think that white America should ride the flag of Derek Chauvin into the next chapter of American citizenship or freedom. And I'll tell you why. Neither one is going to work. Neither one is a real rally point. Neither one changes the status quo. It's more of the same that it's been since the 1964 Civil Rights Act was passed. 68, I'm sorry. Since the Civil Rights Act was passed, it's more of the same thing. America is a nation that's entire political framework is dominated by a race, by a race discussion. It's just dominated. Black versus white, and then you make off with the green. This is why I had such criticism of, of, of Jason. 
follow the fucking money. Let's talk about the money, Jason. You talk about racial idolatry, and then you go on a fucking three-month uh, rant about Deion Sanders because he's such a poor influence on black people or he's being used. Yeah, he's being used. We're all being used. You're being used. You're being used. You're creating the controlled opposition. That's just what it is. Let's just talk for real. Do, do five shows straight on the Federal Reserve. Do the homework. Go do the work. Go look into it. The Federal, the federal uh, Reserve isn't hiding. Go read uh, uh, Edward G. Griffin's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, go listen to his, his hour and 50-minute dissertation on The Creature from Jekyll Island. Go read the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Do the fucking homework. Go watch the PBS Frontline documentary on the power of the Fed. And then come back and you call all the people who you have connectivity to, such as Mark Levin, and ask him to come on. Let's hear what Mark Levin has to say about the fucking Fed. When is Mark Levin going to show up at the front door of the Federal Reserve? Let's hear, let's hear Ben Shapiro talk about the Federal Reserve. Let's hear neocon extraordinaire Daily Wire uh, talk about the Federal Reserve. Bring Matt Walsh back on. I think Matt Walsh was on the show. It's easy to talk about transgenders. And look, I don't think there's a bigger symbol of just how decrepit and decayed our society has become than allowing the LGBTQ to push this, this wild uh, transgender theory in, in, on our kids. I think it's absolutely disgusting. So I appreciate what Matt Walsh did. I mean, I really do. And I like Matt Walsh. I think he's, I think he's a smart guy. And I think Matt tried to push back on the Daily Wire some when this whole recent chapter of politics is broken out. And now he kind of backed off because, you know, they have this way of sitting you down in a room and getting to the guys who, who, who have a little, who have a little, um, uh, a little fortitude to them, a little spine. They have a way of pulling you in the back room and getting you to, to back off. Right when you get, when you get right up on the descent, they come and they sit you down and they tell you to back off. Candace the same. Candace is coming around. Look, none of these people are in a fixed position. I said it before. If I'm saying it about the Cargills, I'm saying it about Candace. I'm even saying it about Ron. I said on my Twitter space yesterday, what was Ron DeSantis thinking? He allowed the same fucking people who backed Nikki Haley, some of them right here in Minnesota, the same elite Republican donors who are never Trumpers, he allowed them to get in his ear and tell them his time is now. It has to be right now dumb. He was already in line to be the next guy, whether we like it or agreed with it or not. And some of us wouldn't, if, if it's me, there are so many ex-military neocon guys being ran into the Republican Party structure. Anytime I see ex-military, I'm like, who is this guy? What's your foreign policy? Right away. What's your foreign, what's your, what's your feeling about forever wars? What's your feeling about the Ukraine? MSNBC, we got to redefine success in the Ukraine. That means we lost. The Atlanticists, the, the, the Zygmunt U. Brzezinski and Kissingers of the world, they lost. And right across the pond, as we're losing, uh, you know, the, the Atlanticist war, right across the pond, they're welcoming G over and honoring him, honoring his achievements. The President G Lifetime Achievement Award by the, the, the China Relations Council in the United States, the China Relations United States Council. 
Thucydides trap, Thucydides trap. Oh my goodness. China's on the rise. The, the, the you know, uh, uh, inexorable rise of China, the second law of thermonuclear dynamics, China's rise is inevitable. It wasn't inevitable. We taught them how to do it. We lose a war in Russia. We're still trying to prop up President Xi. You all don't see it. So the first time I get a neocon ex-military guy coming into the party or stepping up to the podium, I go, who is this guy? What's his foreign policy? Ron DeSantis, when we put him to the test about the Ukraine, failed. He failed. He failed. He backstepped. And they continue to backstep on the, the, the war there between Russia and Ukraine and, and the conflict there in Israel as well. They go up and they say the typical neocon rhino party line. Hell, Tim Scott said, we got to be ready to fight a war in, in all, on all three continents all at once. I mean, gosh, this guy must have a Lockheed Martin uh, brand on his, on his left ass cheek. We have to what? We have to be ready to fight a war on all three continents at once. And, and, and the crazy part of the thing is, I even agree that we should have that capacity. But where does it stop? Nobody's telling us where it stops. Nobody's telling us how we're going to audit, how we're going to keep account of the thing. It's just defend the empire. And they'll sprinkle a little MAGA Donald Trump America first rhetoric on top for you to be able to digest it. It's like when you had a cold when you were a kid and your mom had to give you that nasty-ass rubber tussin, but, you know, give you a little apple juice to help it go down. They sprinkle a little America first Donald Trump rhetoric to help it go down. I don't know. I don't know, people. Look, we're on the move. My, my, my role in the fight is to be a smash-mouth, fire-breathing, nationalist, populist, America firster. I'm doing that. And I'm going to continue to do that. And it's not for you. It's for me. It's for my own sacred honor and righteousness. It's for my own relationship with God. It's for my own legacy and history. It's for me to tell the truth. And I hope every last one of you out there find the motivation to tell the truth with the same ferocity for your own selfish interest. When we all as individuals, as a nation of shopkeepers, as American citizens who understand our God-given rights, there's a little bit of, 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 of uh, you know, of, of, of self in, in the framework of American citizenship. We are American citizens. And when we find that ferocity to defend that citizenship, then the nation can be saved. But as long as we trade our, our freedom for security and materialism, we will have neither and we deserve neither. We will not prosper. We'll be right on the cusp of, of, of uh, bankruptcy, inflation. We will not be secure. We'll always be dependent on the police who are over, overtaxed and under, under, uh, underfunded to show up on time to save us. When we start to reduce the scope of what we see we need to be materially successful in this lifetime under God, and we start to, to, to search for his love and his grace and see that as the great fulfillment, then we'll start to have freedom again. When we start to remind ourselves every day that our founding fathers made it possible for us to be our first line of defense so we didn't have to depend on the government for safety and security, we'll start to have freedom again. If you disagree with that, 
go caucus with the fucking Democrats. We don't need you. The black vote is on the rise, and it's going to continue to rise. And even more generally than that, it's not even about black or white. The point is, if, you, if you're in this movement and you don't believe in these fundamentals, then you're not really in this movement. And we can't really trust you if we do win. That's the reality. If you think the government's going to protect you, if you think the police are going to protect you, if you think there's some free market trade and, 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 and you know, and, and neo-capitalism that's going to not become crony capitalism without morality and God, you're lying to yourself. This is who Dick Cheney was. You all talking about George Floyd is a thug? George Floyd is a thug, huh? No, Dick Cheney was a fucking thug. Donald Rumsfeld was a thug. But if you put a suit and tie on and an American flag on your lapel, all of a sudden we get, we get real confused at, at, at you know, what is considered thug or gangster. That's why the great Cash Patel has an incredible book. You all should go buy government gangsters. These people are gangsters. These people are running a protection racket on you, the American taxpayer. That's all that's happening here. They are running a racket on you. The American taxpayer. The American taxpayer is paying through the teeth for the protection of their government here domestically and abroad. And what makes it worse is, what makes it worse is, at least if you're going to scam like the mafia back in the day, right? If I'm paying for protection, if I'm, if I'm getting, uh, uh, you know, extorted for money in the neighborhood by the local shark, and I'm paying for that protection, I damn well better be protected. As soon as that protection starts to waver, I got to think about other protection. Whether it's another shark coming into the neighborhood and I pay another shark or, or I start to think, hey, I got to protect myself. I'm, I'm not, I can't, I can't pay an exorbitant amount for the protection and not get the protection. Do you feel safe? Ask yourself, do you feel safe at home? Solely relying upon their protection that you're paying for, do you feel safe? One pitch is neocon, the other pitch is Pax Americana. The MAGA movement is a Pax Americana movement. The Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, and even Ron DeSantis movement is a neocon movement. The line is very fucking clear. You're an American citizen. Nobody has the right to bind and beat a Roman citizen, an American citizen who has not yet stood trial. Do not let them use this Derek Chauvin and George Floyd thing to distract you from the progress that we've made. If Derek Chauvin was stabbed in prison, I do not cheer or clap for that. That is not Christian. I do not cheer and clap when people are killed or murdered under any circumstance. Do I understand? Do I understand when murder or, 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 or violence is justified? Absolutely, through my reason. But ultimately, if, if Derek Chauvin was stabbed and he's died, I don't think he's died, but if he dies, that's a failure of the prison system. And any of you could end up in it for any number of circumstances. Some of you in the future for, for far less than you would imagine. Tweeting that you support Donald Trump. 
and the FBI's and opening investigations and tapping people and surveilling people like they did Donald Trump and some of the people in his administration. Michael Flynn, General Flynn, being surveilled illegally, unconstitutionally. Could end up in prison, could have ended up in prison. Donald Trump could end up in prison. Steve Bannon could end up in prison. So we don't cheer or clap when the prison system has a failure that allows inmates to stab each other. And we know that's become a very prominent culture. One that they leverage over citizens all the time. We don't cheer that George Floyd was killed, that George Floyd died, whatever you think about it. And I see a lot of comments where people say, oh, well, George Floyd was a drug, a drug addict and a thug or a criminal. We're glad he's, we're glad, I'm glad he's gone. You better get right with God. You don't wish death upon people, and you don't celebrate the, the, the demise of your enemies. You pray for their souls is what you do, you neocon rhino fucks. We're going to weed you out of this fucking movement one way or another. I'm committed. And if you know anything about me, when I, when I, when I get a scent, you had to kill me for me to leave that scent. So you might as well pack your fucking shit and go caucus with the fucking Democrats. There's nothing Christian, there's nothing American or just about saying, there's nothing, there's nothing cultured. There's nothing civil about saying publicly you're glad somebody's dead. Especially not for being on drugs or having committed a crime. Now, if you're talking about somebody who's a pedophile, different story. If you're talking about a mass murderer, different story. And if you want to talk about mass fucking murderers, talk about George fucking Bush or Barack Obama. Let's, let's keep the threat. Let's keep our eye on the ball here, ladies and gentlemen. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio, powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. If you have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement. Support the movement. There are few companies, there are few people who are trying to build an alternative, uh, a parallel patriot economy that can fight against the, the cesspool the cesspool of corporate money that's been dumped into maintaining the status quo of uniparty politics here in America. Find those companies, support those companies, vet those companies. I can tell you that TireGit.com has been supportive of us, and they allow me to say whatever it is I want to say, that's Pax Americana. That's the American business and capitalism that we really want. So if you need tires, you know, we're headed into the winter season. If you need tires, go to TireGit.com. You can enter promo code FPR. You get 3%, uh, I think, off of your final, your final uh, total, uh, your grand total. And, uh, you know, help, help, help support the movement. Go to FreePeopleRadio.com. You can find out where to listen to the podcast, where to watch the podcast. Um, the store is up and running. FreePeopleRadio.com. You can hit the store tab in the navigation, or you can visit freepeopleradio.store, which will take you straight to our, our shop. And we got great T-shirts, Godspeed T-shirts. The Godspeed T-shirts are in all colors, some for men, some for women. Still believe in that, you know. And the lighter pinks are sometimes, you know, women just tend to want to buy certain colors. Men tend to want to buy certain colors. If you're a man and you want to wear a pink Godspeed T-shirt in support of breast cancer awareness or whatever it is, fine, have at it. There's Ten colors there for Godspeed, because the point is we need more God in our in our in our society. So the Godspeed t-shirts has a good variety. 
Um, we have Free People Radio t-shirts with our, our logo and things on it, as well as sweatshirts and hoodies. And we also have incredible um, uh, accessories and home goods. We got poker cards. Please call me crazy poker cards. Those are That's some of my personal favorites. It has our um, the picture of me from the podcast, um, the podcast uh, cover. Um, on the on the back of the playing cards, if you're a guy who likes poker or you like a gin rummy or whatever game you may play, uh, hearts, if you're one of those solo card players, whatever it is, you like card tricks, we got poker cards. Uh, we're going to have Professor Penn poker cards coming up soon. And we also have journals. We have Godspeed journals. We have Free People Radio journals. If you're somebody who likes to write things down, if you want to buy a journal and and create a a, a a journal specifically to follow along with the podcast and make notes about specific episodes and go back and revisit things. And all of that is, is great as well. So we got a, a number of items. Hey, for the holiday season, we got aprons for you. We got aprons. We got, um, uh, what, what's on the apron? Smash mouth populism. We got smash mouth, smash mouth populist aprons. Um, for for the holiday season and for all of those men out there who like to grill, who are grilling, and all those guys, uh, people out there who like to cook, um, we we got we got that stuff for you as well. We got a few aprons on the store, so visit the store, have a blast. Uh, we're gonna start doing a lot more guest episodes. My guest or my 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 guest production process is up and running really well. I hope you like the Cash Patel and Maj Toure uh, interview. I hope you like the production. We're going to do a few things with the set uh, that I think you'll like. We're going to get a world map up behind the broadcast desk because, like I said before, the Royce White Show is coming on Saturday nights. It'll be prime time on Saturday nights, and we're going to have a full show with animation and graphics and call-ins and and videos and, uh, you know, guests and, you know, live chats. And the whole thing is going to be uh, a spectacle that I'm sure is going to produce a lot of unforeseen um, obstacles. But I'm looking forward to it. And, and I like the Royce White show concept. Uh, and I hope that as we start to spread our wings here in terms of the content, we're only going to grow the movement and hopefully in a direction that you all appreciate and like and, and can, um, and can, uh, support. So, you know, without further ado, have a great week. Uh, this is Monday, start of the week, deep dive episode into Derek Chauvin and George Floyd, but really uh, the, the, the sneaky, pervasive neocon rhino politics that, that are circling all of these cultural wedge issues. And really, they mean to undermine Donald Trump. And it's not even about Trump. They hate him because they hate what he represents, and he represents you. Um, so be vigilant. Be vigilant. Um, have your opinions. I'm not here to change your opinion. I'm here to help you understand how the story and how the narrative is going to shape the future of this nation. And hopefully together we can have that conversation. Black-on-black -black crime is out of control. Nobody, Nobody's denying it. It's a problem. It's part of the reason why black men are starting to jump ship because they're saying, hey, I just want to I just want to work and have a family and enjoy my time on this earth without being worried about uh, getting hit by a stray fucking bullet. OK, or my children being hit by a stray bullet or worrying about my children going down to the park and being victim of some nonsensical, violent crime uh, in, in the neighborhood. The black people are waking up to, to the, the politics that preceded this uptick in, in violent crime in our own communities. 
Um, so we, 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 got a, we have a lot of things to deal with. Uh, but most importantly, follow the money. Follow the money. Go back a few episodes to episode 133. Watch the creature on Jekyll Island. I'm going to keep running the creature of Jekyll Island. I don't care if you saw it before. Share it with somebody else. I'm going to keep running it as long as the podcast continues to grow because I don't think there's a better explanation out there of how the Federal Reserve and the monetary policy of this country and our elites is helping shape your everyday circumstance as an American citizen. That's it for me. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.